Next year, I'm looking forward to celebrating some upcoming things. For example, uh, in January, are you ready to celebrate Radon Awareness Month? (laughs) There's some on the calendar that certainly make a lot of sense. You know, in May, for example, you've got, you know, National Nurses Month. But there are some really odd health observances. And it's not to make light of them. It's just I didn't know they had a day. Chronic Fatigue Syndrome Day. How about uh, February 9th, the annual Toothache Day celebration? Contact Lens Health Week in August. And also, don't forget, in September, Fungal Disease Awareness Week. I I think these might be important. (laughs) World Rabies Day. Right before Halloween, although very appropriate, I guess, Global Handwashing Day. I reserve all my handwashing for handwashing day once a year. Just really get caught up on your handwashing. Welcome to Touchpoint, a podcast dedicated to discussions on digital marketing and patient engagement strategies for hospitals, health systems, and physician practices. In this podcast, we'll dive deep into digital tools, solutions, and strategies that are impacting our industry today. We hope to share a lot of great information with you and have fun along the way. Thanks for joining us. Now, here are your hosts. Welcome to Touchpoint. Welcome to episode number 306. I'm Reed Smith. That is Chris Boyer. You know, Reed, I have to say this week is actually National Healthcare Marketing and Digital Marketing Podcasting Week. So <laughs> we do. We're gonna push that out on the social media channels, I guess. So, <laughs> that's great. That is great. Well, hey, welcome one and all. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for tuning in for yet another week of Touchpoint. Quick plug for the website, touchpoint.health and the TPS report that you'll find over there. Quick sign up, get you an email once a week with some articles to kick off your few days. Couple of things though before we get into today's episode. So, again, certainly appreciate the support and you tuning in. We're making our way. You're listening to this. Uh, well, potentially, I guess you're listening to this just before Thanksgiving. I mean, you could be listening to this, I don't know, two years from now, I guess. But if you're listening to this and it's downloaded, you're listening to it right before Thanksgiving, we're rolling into the Christmas season, the holiday season. And with that, Uh, We certainly have a couple of special episodes coming up at the end of the year where we do kind of our best of and predictions for the new year and all that, all that kind of fun stuff. And so we're going to be preparing for that, kind of thinking through that. And Chris, I think you're going to be adding to your family at some point over the next little bit as well. Yeah, imminently. It's going to be here. So don't want you to have to uh, break away and, and have to record podcasts and all that kind of fun stuff. So anyway, what we're going to do is uh, go back. Uh, we're going to pull some analytics. But anyway, look around and find a couple of episodes that may be great leading into the new year. So we think about planning and strategy and some of those types of things. Well, we'll rerun those for, for a couple of weeks and then be back with some new episodes to round out the year. And so again, you may be asking yourself, I didn't know there were other episodes. So again, quick plug for the website, touchpoint.health. Navigate over there. You can check out everything that we've done in the past, the 305 episodes before this. Sign up for the TPS report and all that kind of good stuff. But anyway, let's take a pause here. Then we'll be back and uh, talk about today's show. Chris, in today's digital age, your online reputation, as we all know, is crucial. 
With customers relying on online reviews, your first impression is also compared directly with your competitors. Sure is. And Reed, consider this. 86% of patients today read online reviews and 73% demand that that healthcare provider has a minimum four-star rating. Demand. They demand it. Yeah, they do. Well, to stand out, choose reputation to help amplify your brand and to build trust. Be the provider of choice in your area, understand patient sentiment, get actionable insights, and even foster patient loyalty. And look, here's the easy way you could do that. All you need to do is go visit reputation.com slash touchpoint. That's reputation.com slash touchpoint, where you can download their healthcare online reputation management guide and build a reputation that performs for you. So, Reed, we started off today's show kind of joking about national health observances. You know, we're right now in the midst of the holiday season as we record this. And, you know, there is this kind of tendency among us hospitals and health systems to start to use the holidays as a way to promote a variety of different things, which kind of brought to mind today's topic. It it did. Chris, you and I have been doing this for a long time. Mm Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, when I started doing this, there wasn't much of an internet or websites or digital. There, there was no social media. And so what did you do? You know, I mean, it was um, a lot of kind of traditional advertising, community relations, PR, you know, th- things like that, especially in smaller markets like where I was. But something that's been around for a long time, you know, is the health observance calendar. We, of course, like you just mentioned, you know, there, there's always really fascinating slash funny slash, you know, kind of head scratching uh, topics that are on there. But that's always been and still is kind of a piece of how we plan, if not advertising, certainly content. It's not only like the holidays, right? But there's also these other things like Breast Cancer Awareness Month, the pink ribbons, right? That's all over or whatever it might be. And there's this sort of like this general zeitgeist, I I would call it, right? That everybody seems to be talking about things at the same time. Holidays are one thing that in healthcare that we try to do, and we always post the healthy eggnog recipe or whatever it might be. As we look at extended just past even the seasons themselves, There is this concept of we want to buy into when everybody, anyone is talking about health things, be it a nonprofit, be a health system, be it whatever, that we want to contextualize what we do in that lens. We do. And I guess my question is, is this a good idea? You know, I, I don't know. I kind of think through this and, and we'll, we'll, we'll come all the way around on this. So I don't want anybody to you know, think that we're against the idea of, you know, health observances or using this to help kind of plan out content and, and those types of things. We got, we got a couple of things working, right? Which is one, you have like a strategic plan typically as an organization that has very little to do if really probably nothing to do with health observances or in some cases, even the time of year seasonality, Uh, maybe a little bit, right? But the strategic plan is usually talking about, from a growth standpoint, at least, talking about certain areas to focus. And a lot of healthcare systems, you know, focus on, you know, very common or or, or similar ones, you know, orthopedics, you know, as Mm -hmm. far as service lines go, orthopedics, oncology, cardiology, things like that. And then there may be some other things on there around staffing and retention and, you know, 
maybe even mergers, acquisitions, things like that, as we think about the ambulatory space or even physician groups or what have you. But we think about operationally as a company, very probably very little as it relates to the health observance calendar, would you say? Yeah, I would say that's right. It's not like we're like staffing up our cardiology department for the month of February, right? Or or for heart month. That isn't really how it works. And while we think about seasonality, let's talk about seasonality in general. Yes, there is sort of this concept around early fall, we want to staff up for back to school. And, you know, the primary care teams are kind of looking at oh, what are the back to school immunizations look like, as well as flu season clinics, I see that sort of thing happening. But outside of that, I don't think there's any really specificity around an operational drive toward adopting seasonality in the way we we structure our organization. Okay, so that's that's an interesting thought process there, which is seasonality is not the same thing as like what we use the health observance calendar for. Right. Yeah, seasonality brought like you mentioned the back to school stuff, or maybe at the beginning of the summer you're talking about water safety or something, you know, some ER related, you know, stuff because people are outside and more active or or what have you. So that's interesting, and I think that does tie into a little bit or, or talk to how we potentially execute on the strategic plan. Mm-hmm. But again, if general surgery is part of the strategic plan, and, and by that we start looking at things like bariatrics, I guess the only seasonality there would be, you know, potentially towards Q4, you know, people have met deductibles, et cetera, et cetera, maybe. On some of the elective stuff, like joint. You know, and I've read some articles, Reed, and we'll put them in the show notes about, you know, where they actually looked financially how healthcare consuming has traditionally been spent. And you're right. There is a sort of seasonality around the end of the year to try to use up sort of the disposable income around elective procedures, right? And we see this happening, not just in health systems, but also like in eye doctors, you know, optometrists, and even dentists, they see a little bit of a rise in in more activity that comes through because people are there to spend their last dollars of their FSA or HSA. The tie between seasonality and any of these like holidays or whatever it might be, to actually driving operational challenges, I think it's still a step a little too far. We see those trends. I don't really see that we're really operationalizing ourselves around this concept of seasonality. Are we not tracking that appropriately? Is Are they not predictive enough? I just don't think it aligns with how we operate. Going back to this idea of the strategic plan, if growing bariatric cases is in the strategic plan. Well, what's the timing around that, right? It's typically maybe they're adding a new physician, like, and he's going to get here in April or May or something. You know what I mean? That potentially drives the timing of it, but has nothing to do with the time of year in most cases. You know, if we look at cardiac procedures or cardiology or orthopedics or something like that, um, it's just like, you know, we need to do that now. Overseeing the market research capabilities within our organization. I have worked with strategic planning and others to determine market opportunities for, you know, growth of, you know, obviously doing market schematics to understand, oh, this is a new and growing community. It would benefit us to put a primary care facility in this town or whatever. That kind of work we do for sure. 
but it's really not tied to seasonality, like you're saying. I think that's the big point here. We should talk a little bit more about that. And Reed, I know you and I have a unique perspective on this because we've been spending a lot of time trying to understand how consumers search for things online. Why don't we take a quick pause here, Reed, and then we'll jump back uh, after the break. And let's talk a little bit more about how we see the world from our world as digital marketers. Coming soon from Greystone, Bowstring, and Touchpoint Media, live from HCIC, a new podcast that brings you front row access to the latest innovative strategies that are shaping tomorrow's healthcare industry. In this 12-part series, as recorded live at the Healthcare Internet Conference, we'll hear from industry experts such as Paul Matson of the Cleveland Clinic, Kathy Smith of Roper St. Francis Healthcare, David Feinberg from Mount Sinai Health System, Rose Glenn from Michigan Medicine, and many others. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcasting platform. This podcast series is brought to you by Greystone.net, Bowstring, and Touchpoint Media. As we continue to kind of dig down on this, I, I think, you know, I continue to ask myself, well, what, what's the point <laughs> of health observances or marketing around that? But then conversely, I can say, well, I mean, the answer is really, if we're not talking about it, does that seem weird, right? So breast cancer awareness is an easy one to point to. Everybody knows the pink ribbons. Everybody knows October, you know, that, that kind of thing. So if we don't do anything about it, if we don't have patient stories, and we, does that seem like we're doing a disservice or weird or out of touch? And I think, yeah, probably, right? Right. But then practically, what does it do, though? You know, well, it reminds everybody to maybe get your annual mammogram or something like that. But what if you just had it? But there is a sense, though, Reed, right, that is, if everyone else is talking about it, we need to be part of that conversation. Or we can leverage what people are saying and doing. Breast cancer is a great one, right? There is a lot of activity, a lot of activation that's going on through nonprofits, the Susan G. Corman Foundation and others, right, that are making this part of the forefront. And it's not just breast cancer. You could you could pick that for every other, you know, the, there are many different observance months, et cetera. And it's almost like, can we leverage and pick up on all of that conversation that's going on in a way where we could we could use that to our advantage? I mean, I think certainly we see some different articles talking about, you know, kind of the emotional impact of some of these things. Uh, you know, my opinion would be, in, you know, patient testimonials have always been very impactful and, and helpful, certainly. And I think it humanizes the services that we offer in a lot of cases, because in, in most cases, the things that we're talking about, unless it's happened to you or somebody close to you, it's hard to really kind of draw that line a little bit. And there's some very practical stuff like flu shots, right? And that's not really what I'm talking about. But when you're talking about heart rhythm disorder or maybe aortic valve replacement, like a TAVR procedure. Well, how, how does that relate to you as an individual? Well, it probably doesn't really, you know, so, so testimonials make sense, right? And kind of situating that around this idea of a health observance, maybe lets it resonate more from a timing perspective. I think a lot of this, what we've been talking about, Reed, is around an acquisition level approach, right? Providing awareness so people will go 
get their mammograms or, oh gosh, I have a heart problem. Maybe it's Taver and like kind of research that. I think that that there is a tenuous touch there. Obviously we, if you have to do regular annual mammograms, it's, it, it is helpful to be kind of reminded that, you know, in October it's breast cancer awareness month. The other thing I, I started to think about as we were talking about this, Reed, is that the benefit to our philanthropic efforts, because a lot of our organizations out there, mm. not all, there is a philanthropic arm associated with this. So if you think about like uh, cancer and cancer awareness months, from a philanthropic perspective, they could benefit a lot by kind of bringing this up again and actually use that as a way to draw interest in maybe donating to, let's say, uh, a new cancer building that you know that your organization is building, or maybe even making a, a memory observance of someone that struggled with this with this condition. Yeah, totally. That does make sense. I mean, I you know I have to remind myself that there's different types of organizations that have different missions. Maybe not different missions. I think broadly as providers, we have at the core the same mission. But you take somebody like uh, MD Anderson or Sloan or you know a big cancer center, you know they're going to be hyper focused on you know, all the observances as it relates to oncology. I would guess, and then some ancillary stuff like around healthy eating and habits, and you know some of that kind of stuff. I would assume kind of fits in there as well. But it does. It, it draws back to maybe their foundation or kind of those philanthropic efforts, like you mentioned, as it relates to. And again, that's kind of where the humanizing or the, the testimonial piece comes in to potentially draw that correlation between them. Well, that's not to say, though, that these observances don't impact consumers. And I think that maybe we should, as we kind of round out this this conversation, this little Thanksgiving topic conversation, right, or the holiday conversation that we're having today, we could talk a little bit into how this concept of seasonal marketing actually does impact consumers to a certain extent. I mean, that there is a reason why suddenly every commercial on television is about Christmas right now, because it's tapping into this kind of emotional thoughts or emotional zeitgeist, right? Oh, boy. I'm telling you, the minute the last piece of candy disappeared from somebody's porch on Halloween, you walk into Starbucks and it is Christmas. I mean, they couldn't get that stuff up fast enough with the peppermint mochas and the, you know, whatever. Uh, it is. I mean, people like certain times of the year because they it makes them feel a certain way or they really dislike it because it makes them feel a certain way. I, I don't know. It depends on who you are, I guess. So I do think that the health observance piece maybe does play into the emotional aspect of you know what we're doing and talking about. I think it sure does. I mean, and so there is this thing about holiday and the seasonal, this whole concept of seasonal marketing is really centered around the season that we're in right now, this whole holiday season. Part of it, if you think about it, we're at the end of the year, the the days are getting shorter. Don't even get me started on daylight savings time. And it's getting colder outside for many of us, right? Uh, even for you down there in, in, in the South, Reed, it's getting colder. And so there is this sort of nostalgic feeling that comes around and the holiday seasons is designed to kind of tap into that and make, make so that in the darkest days of winter, there is this sort of celebratory effect that occurs. I'm, I, and I'm not trying to be very careful here. I'm not trying to... Uh, cast any dispersion against the, you know, the, the actual Christmas day or anything like that. But 
there is a reason why we're all doing this. And retailers have realized and kind of tapped into that emotion. And so, yeah, when that red cup comes out from Starbucks and you, the thought of a peppermint mocha at this point in time, or just flashback a couple of months when pumpkin spice season started, these are things that have become now part of our consumer mindset. And I have to say, I think it plays into us in the healthcare setting because it can drive behavior for people. I think you're right. And, and you mentioned retail. You know, we've, we've got an article and we won't go through this whole thing, but it's, you know, how to tap into emotions via seasonal marketing and why it matters from our friends over at Forbes. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, a couple of things I just wanted to point out from this article. One is this idea that they talk about, you know, starting your efforts early, right? To plan backwards, know what those big days are, kind of back into, you know, how far out do you need to start sending emails so you have the drip marketing thing. What I'll say is, is when we think about health observances, I, I feel like maybe we wait too late uh, to start talking about some of these things. I I remember a while back just thinking about breast cancer awareness, for example. We all know that that's the month of October. But if you use something as simple as Google Trends, which is free, and start looking for some of those keywords, you'll realize the search volume goes way up right after Labor Day, you know, back in September. Well, are we talking about it early enough that we can get out from underneath some of the noise and, uh, you know, the hectic nature of, you know, trying to outrank everybody else that's also talking about the same thing? So just something to think about, you know, on these key observances and things you really want to get your message across about, do a little bit of research, right, and, and figure out, you know, how, how early do we need to start this? And, you know, how do we, you know, maybe uh, do this year round with more intensity around this one time or something? Absolutely. And I think, you know, to that end as well, we know that these observances are here. We have calendars, right, that we all have. It, it could really help to inform our editorial calendar. We could start to make plans around how we are going to uh, do these things, get, get people motivated around it, it even you know, um, allow these for the philanthropic members of your team stage like uh, huge events that occur that maybe occur simultaneously with these healthcare observances. People are thinking about it. The other thing too, Reed, that I think is interesting here is that there is this whole concept. This article outlines the fact that leverage into the visual aspects or the the things that people are seeing and try to bring that in, into the work that you're doing because it really taps into that emotional mindset that everyone's thinking about at this particular time. You know, at this point in time, if right now, if you think about the ideal, what's that holiday type of feeling, it's inevitably, it's probably a warm cup of cocoa in front of a fire, snows outside, but you're with family and loved ones on the inside. That's an emotional response that you could tap into. And there are a lot of different ways that organizations can use that as a way to evoke a deeper, powerful connection with their audiences. And particularly in social media, as we talked about, such a visual way to communicate with audiences and connect with them, it could draw action from them, so to speak. So, I mean, I guess it does matter. Is that what we've decided? <laughs> uh, observance, uh, health observances. To all the reasons we've talked about, I do think, number one, it, it is a great way to help you plan 
and think about not just content, but how these things relate to strategy and the strategic initiatives to really know what to lean back into, whether it be calls to action or kind of what those transactional elements look like around acquisition or, or even reactivation, maybe, um, depending on what it is you're talking about. So it, it'll be good. I, I think you can get carried away with it potentially, but Again, you know, be able to kind of ride the wave or the groundswell around these certain topics, certain times of the year, potentially could be really helpful to your organization. And we'll link to a couple of resources in the in the show notes that uh, if you want to you want to read some of these additional articles around this, I think we'd be really curious to hear too. Of you know, there are ways that you could get some successes around this. I joked earlier about the healthy eggnog recipe, but, you know, quite frankly, I know anecdotally from even from my work that I've done, these things can be a powerful part of your content strategy, but make sure to tie it back to that business. Don't just put out the healthy eggnog recipe because it's the season. Use it as a way to to maybe contextualize it to what you're trying to do. Highlight patient testimonials, how your organization helped people in this time of need. A classic example for me, Reed, is at the beginning of the new year, the first baby born of the year. That's a great way to highlight your OB services without explicitly doing sure. that. There are ways that we can leverage these observances that seem more seamless in our overall outreach strategy. So with that, let's take another break. And then you and I will be back to uh, close out the show. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right. Well, special thanks to the two of us, I guess, for uh, talking <laughs> back and forth today. Now, uh, thanks again, everybody, for for tuning in. We really appreciate the support as we round out another calendar year of Touchpoint. We talked about it six weeks ago or so in episode three hundred. Um, it's just it's uh, hard to believe we've we've uh, actually gotten to this point, but here we are, and couldn't do it without you all. So again, touchpoint.health is the website. Really appreciate you know everything that y'all have done. Reach out, rate, review, subscribe, all that kind of fun stuff. So let's do a couple of recommendations, and then we'll uh, we'll call today. As we talked about, like I'm about to become a new father, and so I'm going to make make a recommendation for something that uh, along the way as we're starting to plan. For- I found to be quite interesting something that we we were get, we got for the the baby's room, but as I was doing research on this, I come to find out that this is actually very useful for not just parents; it could be useful for anybody, particularly people who are up at night. Let me uh, get right to the point. Reed, do you like gummy bears? I do. Yes. I actually saw when I was in a baby store these lights that look like gummy bears. Have you seen these things before? I don't know that I have. It was positioned as a nightlight for a kid's room. It's about, I would say, about eight to nine inches tall. I think it's kind of a soft plastic, and you squeeze it because it's like a gummy bear. It looks like a gummy bear. And you squeeze it, and the light comes on. And they were in all these different colors. There were red ones and green ones and blue ones and purple ones. And they look like gummy bears, but gummy bear lights, so to speak. 
The thing about this is, is and here's why I'm, I'm going to make the leap from this is good for a new parent to actually anyone is, as I was researching this, there is a science behind this. The reason why they're really good for kids' rooms is because when you use them and you, tr- you squeeze the red gummy bear, it emits a red light. And that red light is actually a different type of light than the flat white light that you get from a computer screen or an overhead light or whatever. It actually does not interfere with the circadian rhythms of a person. So it can illuminate the room, albeit in red or blue or purple or whatever color you choose, yet it's not emitting the the actual light that will keep you up at night. The whole point here is, is that you use it for babies, so you get them used to sleeping at night, while you can still illuminate while you're maybe feeding them or changing their diaper or what have you. But it also works for adults, Reed. This is the interesting thing. If you're up at night having this gummy bear light, I have read anecdotes of people online. They use it at night to navigate their house. If they're up and they're trying to get back to sleep, but they want some light, they could turn on this light and it doesn't disturb their own circadian rhythms. So it helps them to sleep better and fall back asleep better. So my recommendation is a gummy bear night light. You can get it on Amazon. Um, The one I got was Gummy Goods. It looks like a nine-inch tall gummy bear. You squeeze it, the light comes on. You squeeze it, the light comes off. It has a USB port so you can charge it so it's rechargeable. And it, by the way, it has a sleep timer in it. it. It's on for 60 minutes, and then it turns off. That's my recommendation. It's a weird one, but a really cool one. I like it. I'm going to check that out. I'm going to recommend a podcast, but more specifically a podcast episode. We, we've recommended this podcast before, but it's Freakonomics. I'm sure a lot of people listen to it uh, that listen to this show. But I want to recommend one of their episodes specifically, episode 522 from November the 16th of this year. It's called, Is Google Getting Worse? Ooh. So anyway, I think people that are listening to this show might find it find it an interesting uh, episode specifically. But the notes about this episode say, It used to feel like magic. Now it can feel like a set of cheap tricks. Is the problem with Google or with us? <laughs> so anyway, it's good. It's good. I think everybody will really enjoy it. Uh, again, I think it's like 552, but it's Google getting worse. It's one of the most recent Freakonomics episodes. It shouldn't be too hard to find. That's my recommendation. It's a, a quick listen, maybe 30 minutes or so, but, uh, but go check it out. I'm going to go download it because I suspect we're part of the problem. But uh, (laughs) so that's interesting. Great recommendation. All right. Well, thanks, everybody. Uh, Thanks again for tuning in, telling a friend, all that kind of fun stuff. Rate, review, subscribe. LinkedIn, Twitter is the best way to track us down. Would love to know if there's a topic that you'd like us to cover or somebody you'd like us to interview. And again, next couple of weeks will be some best of episodes as we prepare for the end of the year. And looking forward to those episodes. So for Chris Boyer, I'm Reed Smith, and we'll see you next week. This has been a Touchpoint Media production. To learn more about this show and others like it, please visit us online at touchpoint.health.